Blog Talk Radio. Like, a lot of those big names, you can't miss them, they're there. I could probably use you like 
we kind of look up to the men's team as a whole. Like, that's, we want to be that top dog. Like, we want to be that team that when other teams, if they have players, they're shaking. It's like, oh, no. Mutual respect aside, as the game approaches, the question remains. How will the rookie franchise handle playing in one of the LFL's toughest environments? It gives way to killer instinct. The Seattle Mists celebrate their 2015 championship season in front of their home crowd. And tonight, the eight-man crowd wants to show the Austin Acoustics what an LFL home field advantage feels like. And that's uh, a preview we're going to be talking to uh, Anna Garza, who was part of the uh, inaugural Austin Acoustics franchise, and she was uh, honorary first in the franchise, so it's really exciting. So we're going to have Anna Garza here in a couple minutes uh, of the LFL Austin Acoustics, kind of giving us an idea of what it felt like, That's sort of a promo of what's going on uh, from the first season, the first matchup against, obviously, the um, Seattle Miss, alongside Troy Wilson and Nkishi Free, Oscar Lopez here. Welcome to the Great Iron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Um, so guys, uh, we're gonna have Anna here, but that's kind of a fitting, uh, kind of a fitting video. Uh, if you're br- a brand new franchise taking on uh, kind of a winning championship squad, sort of daunting task, but at the same time kind of frightening in that way. But uh, you know, they they ended up losing, I think, 44 to eight. Um, so Troy, you you spoke to it at the beginning. They were just not prepared for this. They're not ready for this, but they did improve over the the next three games in some format against the Liberty. And they also improved obviously a little bit against the temptation towards the end of the season. So there is opportunity and potential for them. So, um, you know, we're going to talk to Anna about how the, all the experience, the journey to begin the franchise within the realm of the uh, you know, the season and obviously the off season at this point. So um, welcome Troy and Nkishi. Um, so your thoughts, Troy? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, Watching them play some of the games, you, you did see some glimpses and you saw some flashes of some talent out there. And I just think that, you know, toward the end of the season, I mean, well, when they faced up against, you know, the, the, the bigger competition with Seattle Mist, I mean, they seem to be outmatched. And it's a little bit to be expected when you start it, you're starting off. But I just think that they acquitted themselves pretty well. Um, you, you still want to see effort out there, and that's one of the things that they did give a lot of. And you got to start there. Anytime you're talking about building a team, you always have to start with the effort. Yeah, and I think the reality was that, um, as that video proved there, it's kind of, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call it scary, but for them it was sort of like, okay, they had to go on the road <laughs> 
to get their first experience of LFL football. They had to go on the road uh, against the champs in Seattle, uh, over 8,000 fans. So when you look at it that way, that's, uh, that's pretty, uh, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say scary, but at the same time, it's overwhelming in a way, right? Well, I mean, this what you the old adage is you have a trial by fire. And so, you know, why even mess around with it? If you're going to go ahead and start off, just go ahead and start off with the best. I mean, because if you're playing against the best, that prepares you for what you have coming up. Because if, if they're the best, then, then you already know what the standard of that league is. So to me, if I'm just starting out, I would love to do that. I would love to sit there and play the best of the best so I can know what to expect and I know how, you know, how to um, – uh, get my my team's attitude and get my team to to play up to that level and you see what the expectation is when you're playing against the top dog in the league. Well, and I think to jump in on what Troy said, can you guys hear me? Because there's a lot of feedback. Um, I was saying I think that to what Troy was saying also is that there are a lot of misperceptions about the LFL, I think there are a lot of misperceptions about the level of work and ethic and um, dedication that these ladies give to this sport and to this craft, and that this isn't your Saturday pickup league. This is truly competitive football. It's fast-paced, and it's extremely hard-hitting, and I think that um, that reality, you know, definitely – was a little bit overwhelming, but it was a much-needed wake-up call. If you're going to play, you're going to play, or otherwise go home. Yeah, and I think that's where the key was, uh, where you have that option where I think that the experience was there. As Troy was saying, it might have been overwhelming, but at the same time it was basically a big test for them because they get to see the best of the best first uh, out of the gate, and I think that is what the experience is about. Hey, you guys getting a lot of feedback on your end? There's a lot of outside noises that I'm hearing. I have typing, all kind of stuff. You guys hearing the same thing I'm hearing? Um, yeah, I think it might be static. I don't know if it's because of the line or not, but um, no, but you know, the reality is right there, Troy, because you said, you know, they started competing and they had some playmakers. Um, Marshall, Michelle Marshall was on, you know, on their acoustics. You had playmakers, um, uh, you know, the quarterback, uh, Tisha Winfrey, who started out, you know, horribly in the first game, but then kind of improved through the season. And Steph McCormick as well. So there was, there were some bright, you know, bright things that are, were happening with the uh, acoustic in the sense, uh, even off of, off the kickoff. So. Yeah, man, that's and that's what I saw also. I saw when you looked at Shea Winfrey, the way that she played, what you saw there was raw talent. But you saw also, the, you know, she, she had such athleticism out there. She had a great arm. It just, you know, certain things, you know, I just have to work on a little bit of decision-making, um, when to pass the ball, when to throw the ball away, you know. Um, so those are the, some of the things that you saw at the beginning of the season. And as as, as you said, she started to progress throughout the year. And so that's what you want to see now the next year when she comes back. Um, you know, you expect to see improvement. And I think that's the beauty of it is actually to see people 
you know, blossom and grow up. But you can't do that unless you're on the field. And I mean, again, I can't reiterate this enough. I would want, I would much rather want to play against the best, and and you know, see where you're at team-wise, and then you know, at that point, you can take it from there, and you can kind of hone your team the way you and and show them, this is what a winning team is about, and this is what it takes to win in this league. Hello, can you guys hear me? Jeez. Hola, Ana, estás ahí? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Ana, how you doing? Thanks for making the time. Uh, welcome to the Gridiron Blitz. Uh, right here on Block Talk Radio, um, Anna, how's 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 the uh, Christmas going for you and the holidays? Is it just are you in Mexico right now? Yeah, I'm in Mexico right now. <clears throat> okay, uh, so uh, are you thinking of coming back to the LFL for 2017, Anna? We've been just previewing the team right now, but is your is your uh, plans to come back to another season? Yeah, of course. I I continue next season. I'm just get so high to think about it. Uh, now all my team have experience and we are ready to continue next season. All right. Uh, so, um, Anna, would you be more comfortable in Spanish, or do you want to do both uh, or mix of both? Uh yeah, we, we can make a mix. Whatever you want, it's it's okay. I'd be more nervous in in, in English, but I, I can try. Oh, hey, no worries. Um, so, Anna, we were just talking about how you you guys, you know, started the team, uh, made made this whole change. You basically came from Mexico, and you were and you had played previously bikini football down there with a couple of the leagues, right? Is that am I correct? Uh, no, it's my first time playing in bikini, just in USA. In Mexico, I used to play with all uniform uniforms completely. Okay, so you were you were playing full kit. Uh, what league were you playing in in Mexico? Do you know? It, yeah, in Mexico we just call like uh, the league uh, football Monterey League, something like that. Yeah, but I, I used to so play like six years, six years with my team. So you were playing with the ladies football Monterey. No, right now no. I'm just in preseason to. To be ready for LFL. Okay, great. So, um, Anna, the the first time you 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 got the cut, you made the team. Um, how was that exciting for you? Did you make the team? I think you said in your uh, in your uh, uh, video here that it was over. I think it was over 50 girls. I think at the tryouts. Yeah, we we are we were we were a lot of girls, and I was so excited to just know that I'm gonna be part of. LFL, uh, for me, I know I'm, I'm just, uh, was like a dream come true and, and be a great experience for me. Now, when you made the team, Anna, you got a lot of, t- a lot of good players on this team. You got uh, Tisha Winfrey, who obviously had uh, previous football experience. Michelle Marshall has played uh, both sides of the ball. She played, um, 
I believe, in, in full kit and as well as in, uh, in another league in Texas that had similar to LFL. And then you had the playmaker, Selena Fudge, as well. So, um, and then Steph McCormick. So a lot of talent on the acoustic, including yourself. Um, how was it to go to Seattle the first game? Uh, the first game was like, I don't know, a trouble for us. We don't have like any idea about the games in LFL was the first the first game. I, I didn't can be in that game because I have a le- uh, a lesson in my in my knee but all the girls were so nervous because it was the first the first game for them but I think with oh, with the next games we just have a little bit of experience and be better and better for us. Now, did you get a chance to start any of those games at this point uh, during the season, or were you basically just uh, subbing? I'm sorry. Can you can you make the question again? See, um, um, Anna, did you by any chance start any of the games in any of the uh, four games? Did you were you able to play on the field or start for a couple series? Yeah, I, um, I'm still like a strong safety in defense. Uh, in the next three games. Um, just the first one, I can make it because I have my lesson. But the other three games, I, I'd be like the first player in defense, like strong safety. I don't know if that question that you made it. Yeah. Um, so Anna, what was the what was the first LFL player that you had to face uh, in front of you? Do you remember that player's uh, name? No, I don't remember. I don't really remember. No, I don't. Was remember. it in Seattle or or was it in New England? Yeah, it was in, in New England. It was in New so England? Okay, no problem. Because, yeah, my, my first play was in defense, but I don't really remember. Okay. No, um, I so don't, I don't. Tell us a little... Anna, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the experience. Uh, you guys you guys obviously get beat pretty bad by Seattle, and you knew that that was going to happen because obviously they were a better team. Yeah. But you go to uh, – you, you, you win at home in front of your home fans the first game, 41-21 to 21 against uh, Alex Drake and the uh, and uh, Asterix Cruz against the Liberty. How exciting was that for you guys to win at home your first game yeah. and a big win? Yeah. That game was awesome for us because it was the first, like you say, was our our first game at home, and we are like we were like so high and so I don't know like it was really really cool because all our family and friends was there were there, and we just so happy. It was really really cool that game. So Anna, being in Texas, uh, you're from the southern border. Um, basically you make the team, uh, for, you know, for just, just for the fact that you're a a Mexican girl that crossed the border and made an LFL team. We have players obviously from Australia. You had an Australian player as well on your team and you have, we have various Australian players from various other teams, but was that special for you too, that you actually, you know, made the journey and then you obviously got onto the club. Yeah, it was really, really difficult because, I mean, the first one is not my first idiom. And, I mean, my English is not really, really good, but I'm trying so hard. Uh, the first time, like, all the girls watched me, like, they didn't believe me that I used to play football here in Mexico. 
a lot of people there uh, didn't know that we play, that we have a lot of football here. And But at the end, it was really cool. The girls uh, uh, helped me a lot and uh, tried to explain me everything, like twice if it was necessary. But it, it's a great experience for me. I just want to be again there, and we'll see. Now, uh, Anna, uh, the last game against Los Angeles, uh, you know, Monique, Hall of Famer, uh, did you get to see her? Did you get to talk to her? Did you by any chance interact with her? Not really. I mean, all the game is just like so fast, and at the end we just was so sad because that game was so important for us. We, ha- we, we need that game to, to, want, to win. And we just, at the end, we just go to lockers and talk all together. I, I really don't have time to talk with her. All right. Um, Anna, I have uh, Troy Wilson and Kishi Free here going to ask you some questions as well. So, Troy, very big fan of you guys, uh, very supportive throughout the season. Uh, really, really hit it on the nail by saying that every, every game you guys improved a, a little bit and a little bit more. So, uh, Troy's going to ask you a couple questions here, okay? Okay, it's okay. Hey, hey Anna, uh, just, this is uh, Troy. I just wanted to ask, um, what made you get interested in um, in uh, the American style of football? What got you interested in playing the sport? I mean, what's the difference, do you say? Or, sorry? No, uh, what, what got you interested in playing the sport? What, what? I'm so sorry, well, I can't. Uh, um, Anna, about that, que, uh, que te, let me translate. Hold on. Uh, Anna, ¿qué te yeah. interesó del estilo de la LFL para tú este, uh, uh, venir de México a los Estados Unidos para ser uh, el atento de, uh, puesto en, este, en, la, en el equipo de, en Austin? Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, I think it's because uh, it's the biggest, I mean, level for me in, in football. I don't care about how we were, if, if bikini or not. I think the level is so high, and I love the the roughness that we have in LFL, and and that is everything so professional, and and that's why I'm so interested about playing there. Uh, what other sports did you play? Uh, now I play flag football, rugby, and football. Okay, good, good, good. And so uh, the difference between playing in Mexico and playing in the United States, what's really the difference? Uh, the difference, I don't have any difference. I really, I think it's, it's the same. Maybe if, I mean, I always be the the shortest girl. I mean, I'm so small here and there. I mean, it's the same for me. And here in Mexico, we have a, like a lot of girls that play really good. I mean, we have we I don't have like really differences. Just like find something different and go in a LFL is so famous everywhere. And I don't have like in in the field I don't have like any difference. Hi Anna, this is Kishi. How are you? Hello, Ray, Ray. I'm a little bit nervous because I, I have a lot of difficulties with my English, but 
I'm good. No, 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 no. Me hable español mucho poquito. No, 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 no. Tú hable inglés es fantástico. Me hable español mucho poquito. So, um, in my limited Spanish, and um, and in our, we're going to be fine. My question to you is. What makes American football so popular in Mexico? We saw there was a huge crowd just um, two weeks ago, you know, when the NFL came to Mexico. What is making the sport grow so fast, do you think? I don't know. Maybe it's because, I mean, we always watch a lot of about football in USA. I mean, NFL is so famous here in Mexico. I think it's like the same that we watch every step that you make in sports, and I think it's it's just that and all the show that you make it made it and everything. I think for us it's like um, so interesting. Watch everything you made and it's it's really really good for us. I mean, it's a lot of people here in Mexico that watch NFL and LFL. I mean, we are crazy. We love it. And how fast is the LFL growing in Mexico for women's football? We ha- we here in Mexico we have a lot of teams like they play in bikini. I mean it's a huge league here in Mexico, and a lot of girls are interested in going to USA. We know like it's difficult for us, but they're trying. We're trying to get better and better and play playing playing there. Awesome. Thank you. No, thank Hi, you. Anna. Hey. hey, Anna. Uh, I'll go ahead and change it over a little bit in Spanish, and then we'll just kind of translate back and forth. Pero, Anna, ¿qué es, yeah. ¿qué es la preparación para ti para prepararte para la uh, campaña que viene en 2017 uh, con la, con, en, en Austin? Uh, pues me he estado preparando muy fuerte en todos los sentidos. O sea, me siento más fuerte, más rápida. Eh, la temporada pasada fui como coreback, pero ahora pues sé que TJ va a estar de coreback titular. Entonces he estado abriendo otras oportunidades en estar en la defensa, como corner, como receptora también incluso. Entonces me he estado preparando muy fuerte gimnasio, campo, de alimentación. Entonces vamos mucho mejor que el año pasado pasado entonces esperamos mejores resultados para mí este año el año que sigue Ana eh, los los este los jugadoras más uh, de de focus que, que teníamos en, en la temporada viene siendo Stephanie McCormick viene siendo Michelle Marshall uh, Chastity Morales y eh, se supone uh, Tisha Winfrey también tuvieron algo de dificultades en la primera salida uh, contra uh, la Miss pero el progreso, como estamos hablando anterior, fue bueno, uh, como dijo Troy, uh, era una buena prueba para ustedes en Seattle, pero en Los Ángeles jugaron buen juego, el último juego eh, contra Los Ángeles. So, ¿qué, ¿Qué tomas de ese juego y para la nueva temporada? Pues yo creo nos fuimos conociendo más como equipo, todas al principio en el primer juego era más competencia individual y fuimos integrándonos más como familia, todos nos apoyamos más y, y pues el primer juego contra mí, contra Seattle fue realmente muy difícil, íbamos todas, iban todas sin conocer nada, no sabíamos nada sobre el juego, muchas reglas o 
qué tan fuerte iban a jugar ese equipo, lo desconocíamos, pero poco a poco fuimos dándonos idea de... Lástima que sean tan pocos juegos, que nada más fueron cuatro, pero pudimos dar un buen espectáculo contra Los Ángeles y yo creo que eso va a seguir... Va a haber una mejora mucho más grande para la siguiente temporada y vamos a poder dar mejor competencia. So, Troy, I just asked her about the... Um... Uh, the game against the Temptation that you that you had uh, analyzed and said you know that they had played a really good game. It was a 49-32 matchup. So can you can you uh, you know divulge on that again? Yeah, uh, I'm just saying like we uh, for the first game that we had with Seattle, uh, we give take more experience in other games and we just with LA. Uh, have more confidence with us. We play like family. We meet each other at the first game. We just have a lot of individual competitions, and and at the end we can make like a really good team. And and I think uh, for the for the next season will be better for us. So Anna, ¿qué es lo que haces ahorita tú personalmente? Uh, Mira en, en en Facebook. Tienes una página de para este para salud para personal uh, trainer personal y lo tienes tu página uh, de fanática pues que todos todos los jugadores requiere la liga que tengas. So, um, uh -huh. ¿en qué página eh, pueden eh, los fanáticos este, you know, hacer mensaje o post algo para de apoyo para ti? Uh, both, I mean, pueden escribirme las dos y un poquito la otra página porque subo más cosas tonterías, el rugby, el, to el track football que estoy jugando, entonces pues me limitaba un poco en la otra página, pero en cualquiera de las dos estoy ahí al 100% contestando, agradeciendo los saludos y los mensajes que me mandan, entonces cualquiera de las dos páginas está excelente, una es Ana Garza LSL y la otra la otra es Anifit, doble N Y Fit, en cualquiera de las dos está perfecto. Ahora la segunda temporada del equipo uh, siendo la primera parte de la, la, la primera escuadra del equipo, ¿qué te hace sentir? Uh, pues me hace sentir uh, muy muy orgullosa, estoy muy contenta, estoy trabajando muy fuerte para dar uh, un mejor espectáculo y un mejor papel en cualquier posición en la que vaya en la que vaya a jugar y estoy muy muy contenta de poder motivar a otras personas, a mucha gente aquí, a otras chicas aquí en en México y que pueden hacer realidad sus sueños y pues qué contenta de poder representar también mi, un poquito de mi país en el deporte sobre el fútbol. Ana, ¿qué clase de uh, jugador tú vas a requerir en México para llevarlos a la LFL y enseñarles a ellos qué clase de estilo de juego es en el, eh, se supone que en la LFL? Porque es, en el, como dijiste anterior, es, es la, NF, la NFL en la forma de, de, de juego que juega la, la LFL, que viene siendo de 7 a 7, y es modificado. Uh -huh. so es es más uh, más intenso en esa forma porque son 50 yardas y la oportunidad está ahí de, de alguien de hacer un score más pronto que en, en, en una yarda de 100, ¿verdad? Sí, claro. Uh, acá también, no, uh, en México también no juegan modalidad arena de 7 contra 7, este entonces pues más que nada compartir la experiencia y y pues ir a, hacia adelante todos crecer en el deporte acá en México también y en algún futuro que haya 
pues se abran más puertas para nuestros deportistas también allá. Uh, había mirado yo por, por tu uh, reportes que tenía en México y con, la, con las, las personas que yo tengo contacto uh, hasta, hasta haciendo, estás haciendo promociones como con la FX, uh, la FXL que está afiliada con la, la nueva liga de LFA so, ¿estás haciendo tú más promoción en esa forma para crecer o, o qué, es, qué es el método para ti? Ah, más que nada para motivar a las a las chavas que sigan entrenando, que pues que todo es posible, que, que pueden seguir luchando si cualquier meta que tengan deportiva o he estado más como motivándolas, ir a, a pláticas con ellas, platicarles y algunas clínicas de pues de entrenamiento más que nada. Estaba, estamos este, cubriendo, como cubrimos todo mundialmente, pero eh, exclusivamente en México, hemos mirado, como dijo en Kishi ahorita, hemos mirado el crecimiento del estilo de la LFL en la forma de, de you know, modificada en bikini fútbol, porque se supone que uh, los, los derechos este, you know, son, son de la LFL, en, en, en el nombre y todo eso, pero... Uh, bikini fútbol, está la LABF, está la WFL, la WFL, está la PGFL, ha salido la NGFL, hay, hay so many, uh, ¿cómo dices? muchas alfabéticas en el estilo de bikini en el Estado de México que um, te dan como dolor de cabeza. So, si tenías sí. que clasificar una, una liga sobre otra, ¿qué es la, qué es la liga que tú piensas que uh, puede ser dominante? y puede ser algo de visible en México a uh, comparable como a la LFL para preparar probablemente algo a uh, futuros jugadores para venir a los Estados Unidos. Pues yo creo que no pude inclinarme por una, ya que son, cada quien tiene, hay una en Cancún, hay otra en la Ciudad de México, en diferentes partes, entonces yo creo que todas tienen nivel, eh, sería nada más de... Uh, ser más constante referente a eso y un poco más agresivo, pero yo creo que cualquiera de las ligas se pudiera preparar a hacer su selección para en algún futuro poder a, a competir a Estados Unidos. All right. So, Ana, mucho gusto de hacer el tiempo con nosotros uh, esperando la nueva temporada en, uh, en Austin con los acoustics de la LFL, uh, esperando que terminamos en el field y en las promociones, y en las acciones, y en el game day, para que nos des uh, el, el apoyo, y uh, uh, se, se supone que en este punto, siendo la única, viendo de México, uh, todos toda la gente de México va a estar muy alegre que vas a volver otra vez a otra campaña. Sí, así es, todos extensos de lo que estoy haciendo y de lo que voy a hacer, entonces... Pues yo me motivada porque hay mucha gente tras de mí apoyándome, entonces por eso me estaba preparando aún más fuerte para ir con toda la siguiente temporada. Muchas gracias a ustedes por tomarme en cuenta. Yo encantada de tomar las, las demás que ustedes gusten, si gustan en otro momento, encantada de platicar con ustedes. Y pues estén al pendiente, estén al pendiente de la siguiente temporada. Okay, Anna Garza, thank you for uh, making the time today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And we uh, look forward to your 2017 uh, campaign in with the Austin Acoustics and watching you on the LFL platform. Uh, so to the fans of the LFL, Anna, before you go in English, what do you say to them when you hit 2017 and they're going to watch you at the uh, 
hopefully it's going to be at the Cedar Park Center at, as far as it is right now. But what do you say to the U.S. fans that are going to be watching you in 2017? Uh, um, uh, thank you, everyone, for following me. Uh, as a player, I've been working so hard. I feel stronger and faster uh, than last year. Uh, and I'm, I'm ready for next season. So get ready to see big hits, great plays, and, of course, beautiful woman playing with Patreon. And still follow me, and we'll see, we'll see you next season. Awesome. Thank okay, you, Okay, Anna, Anna, thank you. I appreciate thank it. And so we'll much. look forward to talking to you at another time so that we could go ahead and and follow you uh, in the uh, journey for the 2017 season. Thank you Muchas so gracias. much. Happy holidays. Feliz Navidad. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thank you. Okay, guys, that was the uh, talented Anna Garza, who journeyed all the way from um, Mexico all the way to Houston, Texas, uh, and then all to Austin, Texas, and made uh, the 50-man uh, challenge roster to the 20, and she was on the roster. So, in Kishi, that's like, you know, it's like packing your bags and just, you know, just going for it. And so, I mean, that's got to be tough, but she's, she's got a lot of family support from the video. Her boyfriend, her family, they basically were financially supporting her because obviously, the you know, the girls in the LFL don't get paid, but crossing yeah. the border – with her visa, setting up with maybe um, with a couple of the girls, you know, um, shacking out with them, as they say, with, you know, with support. And then to just kind of, you know, go for it, go for it, a 20, a 50 man a challenge roster. And then to make the roster, that's gotta be exciting. That has got to be huge. And in, and in a lot of ways, you know, listening to their stories um, in some ways reminds me of the, experiences of those who play in in, um, baseball in the minor leagues, you know, getting paid literally next to nothing and, but you do it for the love of the sport, you know, and, and you put it on the line for what you care about. I mean, and, and and that's, that's a perfect example. And I really thought about that a lot, you know, as we're getting ready to um, go into the next uh, season for the ladies you know, and, and listening to Callie and, you know, um, and people talking about, and even Holly, you know, with the season ending injury and she couldn't even play, but then that injury doesn't just impact her ability to not play football, but it also has an impact on her and her regular everyday life, you know, and in, in, in her ability to, to work and provide for herself. And, but, you know, you put it all out there on the line for the sport you love, and that's got to count for something. So much, much, much respect to all of the ladies every year. Troy, um, you, you know, she said it. You're on, t- you're on point. They improved pretty much every game. Except, you know, the first game, obviously, they got tested really, and they got you know, proven wrong because obviously the better team. But towards the end against the L.A. game, uh, you've said it before, and, you've, you know, and obviously she, she said it. They just got they got a little better. The only the only drawback in this league is that you only play four games, so you've got to be on your game from the from the onset, or otherwise you're not going to matter towards the end. Yeah, I mean you got a short sample size, and you got a short amount of time to show what you have. And um, you know those ladies are looking forward to this upcoming season, and uh, you know how they're preparing for it. I was really interested that she said, you know, she's playing rugby and, and, and playing uh, football, you know, soccer, 
and, you know, things like that, just staying in competition. And she kind of gets the best of both worlds. You get a lot of the footwork when you play in soccer and then with rugby. It's, you know, just a few differences of, of rules as it is playing football, and it's, it's extremely tough. You definitely don't have the pattern that you do have in American football. So just to watch her stay competitive and, and stay ready for the next coming year, it's good to see her, you know, still staying prepared. All right. So uh, we wish Anna the best of luck and uh, getting into the roster for 2017 with the acoustics. Looks like it's going to be another exciting team. Winfrey, Marshall, McCorm- uh, uh, McCormick. I mean, they got pretty good ballers out there. As they ev- if they evolve and when they evolve, as she said, she wanted to do quarterback, but then obviously she got slotted to do uh, cornerback instead of quarterback. So maybe because of the height issue, that's what the coach decided maybe put her up. And then her height is obviously average height. It's not like she's a big player, to her point. So she had to really test herself. Um, I think the the bottom line here, uh, Troy, is this this league really showcases high level of football because when you take away everything else off of it, it is probably the best platform in terms of visibility and everything else. So that, I think, drew her to cross you know, the country and – to get into the States and it's probably as she was claiming a lot of other players in the bikini style leagues that are currently in Mexico, which is a lot of them. uh, Their dream is really just to cross the line and then maybe get on one of these rosters just for the fact that they want to prove themselves against the best of the best. Yeah. And see, um, you know, it's only a four game season and that's just a testament to, how hard these ladies hit. I mean, you, you saw some of the some of the vicious hits that were laid out in that LFL league. So, man, I mean, with that, you get that sample again with the small sample size. But I just I like the way that they compete. And when you see the teams that go out and 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 they just they they put it all on the line, and you have to. I mean, if you think about it, just like you said, I mean, it's four games. So you know you have to put it all out on the line. Well, some teams could afford to, to lay back. You kind of saw that with Chicago. And, um, you know, they had the Ferrari. They put her on the shelf for a little bit. Uh, Chris Del Harris. Uh, so they had to put her on the shelf for a little bit. But a team like the Acoustics where, you know, they do have a young team and, you know, some up-and-coming people, they got to they gotta shoot their shot right now. And so you saw that pretty early. So, again, man, I'm just kind of chomping at the bit to wait to see how the season goes, come, upcoming season. All right, so from uh, Legends Football League focus here, we're going to shift into the off season, and we're going to go into the uh, with our Women's Football League USA Insider, uh, Michael Burmy. And if you haven't catched Michael Burmy, you can go to Michael Burmy uh, uh, on Facebook, and he's got live uh, Facebook Live as well. Very informative. But I wanted to bring him in this week because it's uh, holiday week number one, almost the end of the year. So this is where most of the shifting is done in the uh, women's football leagues in the U.S. So we, we probably need to fig- focus as to why. So here's, here's my question to him right now. We're going to bring him on here. So uh, let's bring in Michael Burmy of Michael Burmy at, uh, in, on Facebook. So, Michael, how are you doing today? Pretty good tonight. Thank you so much. Great to be back here on the show again, Good on Beauties. Awesome, Michael. Uh, you're on with Keisha and Troy. Michael, I wanted to bring you on because it just seems like everybody's jumping ship, and they're jumping ship to the WFA, which uh, 
at the beginning of the year when we had the uh, last talk, we had the, the Baltimore Nighthawks and we had the Carolina Phoenix Championship. No surprise there, very good quality teams. But now we're seeing some of the lesser-known teams. Uh, you know, the Division Three is growing in that aspect too because the squads aren't as big as the top-tier teams. So that's a good sign, right? Sure. I'd say I'd say it is. I'd say it's a good sign that they're getting. That means they're going to get they're going to get bigger exposure and more national thing. They're going to go more national with it there because you've seen some teams there which had, which had struggled to put together a full slate of games in their old older leagues. Now they're coming this way and they're going to, there's a lot more stability for them. Now the roster size we have talked about in the past. So all the Division three uh, teams basically have issues with roster which the WFA, by going with a three-tier system, really benefits them. Because if you can do a full roster, obviously you're in Division One or Division Two, depending on the limited roster size. But if you're in Division Three and you're having issues with the roster size, this, this um, setup really benefits you. And I think that's why you, you're seeing a lot of uh, – I think you announced earlier today the Cincinnati Sizzle which, you know, was in the USWFL, now going to go to the WFA, and basically because of the fact that the schedule probably benefits them in less travel time, nearby teams. So um, I think the WFA is really uh, benefiting from the fact that the three-tier system was something that everybody else is drawn to. Yep, that's really something. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that one is system has really worked out there because think about tier three was pretty tiny last year with all – only a few teams being scattered across the scattered across the nation being part of that. But now it's moving. But now more teams coming in there is putting it up there. If I were the if I were Mia Ben, the Katie on Zydeco, I would be constantly scouting, constantly scouting to see what exactly has to be done for them to retain their title. So Michael, give us a rundown of who jumped ship, who's where now. Uh, give us a little bit of rundown as to so uh, an update so the fans know exactly what's going on with the U.S. women's scene. Okay, first things first there. The Ladies American Football League, the LAFL, that has folded no longer exists there. Their champions, the Music City Misfits from Nashville, Tennessee, have moved over to the WFA now, where they're going to be playing in Division Three. Also, we got team. Also, in that news here, you heard about how the, about the Baltimore Nighthawks and Carolina Phoenix going back to WFA. Shortly thereafter, we announced they had announced that four teams which had taken last season off would be returning for 2017. That's a pretty big deal because when a team that's announced it's taking a season off, it's usually never heard from again. But with the WFA, the Arkansas Wildcats, Miami Fury, Minnesota Machine, and San Diego Surge will all be coming back for the 2017 season after they took 2016 off. And San Diego being probably the best uh, out of those out of those teams, San Diego being the the top tier team. That they are. That they are. I don't know if they're still going to be tier one or. I don't know if they're still going. Hopefully they'll still be tier one because some of the players found other teams. We don't know whether they're going to go back to the surge or stay on their new teams yet. Now, what about the Miami Fury? Because that's a team I actually went out of the ones that took the time off for the 2016 year. Uh, because I think I joined the show, what, Oscar, in the fall of 2014. 
So the Furies and the, and, and the San Diego Surge, those are the two teams that I'm familiar with. As you should be, because they have been solid teams in women's football for quite some time, both with national, both each have, having won a national championship. The Fury all the way back in one of their older leagues, and the, the Surge won, having won one in the WFA. The, but the Minnesota Machine and Arkansas Wildcats are perennial contenders as well. They've put together some pretty solid rosters year in and year out. So it's good to see them, be, see them back getting on some unfinished business as well. Michael, what does your prediction ball tell you at this point? We, uh, we're going into 2017. Um, you know, I don't want to, we don't want to make lesser of one league over the other, but it just seems like uh, as we go into the USA trials coming into this January, and as we go into the world's championships in 2000, in, uh, in probably July or June of 2017, majority of the stars are usually out of the WFA. So, the teams coming to the WFA, whether it be, you know, Division Three, Division Two, it just, I don't know, it, it just seems like Lisa and company are doing something right for people to come back. They sure, they certainly are. Of course, it's also been an issue with some of the other leagues being unstable and not putting out their news quite a bit there. Remember, that Women's Football National Championship used to be exclusive to the IWFL. They had to deal with them where no WFA players from any other league were allowed on the national team. Of course, that all changed once the elites came over to the WFA, and the shift in power came around, and the WFA became the top league in the nation. So are you excited for the trials? Because there's going to be a lot of players uh, on both leagues, primarily from the WFA, staple players. Uh, they got to be, at this point, whoever makes the team, they will be probably the top dog again, once again, right next to Canada. Yes, they will. That they will. I'm saying I don't. I honestly cannot see anybody. I also think Canada is the only team that's going to come even come close to the U.S. Because let's face it, it's called American football for a reason. If you know what I mean. And honestly, but honestly, I what I want to see I is another count, nation. Sorry, what was that? You I saying? would not count the. Uh, I wouldn't. Ca- I would not count the Finland squad and the Swedish squad. They've played really good. Germany has been very good in terms of bronze finish, so I'm assuming they'll probably want to bite at, at the uh, the silver medal. And then you you're going to have the Great Britain team and the Australian team coming on board that are going to be very hungry. Yep, and I'm hoping, and I really hope is that hopefully that's not all the teams that are going to be playing because I want to see because there are several other nations which have some good. Really great teams too. I want to see Fr- I want to see France in the tournament. I want to see Spain in there. I want to see the Czech Republic. I want to see Japan. I want to see Russia in there. I even want to. I even want to see a little Guam All Star team from that league. The IWFL sponsors out there. Yeah, but I think it's going to be probably top six teams, and more than likely it will be Spain, Great Britain, and uh, Australia, and then you got to then the regular standard teams, which is Canada. Finland, Swedish, and the U.S. So it's a start there. If you if we can include, you know, two more countries for each tournament, then at some point the tournament's going to grow to like ten teams, which is going to be huge. Yeah, I'm just happy to happy to see the great happy to see that the U.K. and Australia are joining the fold this year. Uh, but honestly, I'm thinking that I'm check I've been checking out the leagues in France, Spain, and the Czech 
the Czech Republic and Russia and also Russia and Poland and also Japan there. So hopefully that's it's great, but it's always a joy to see the women's game grow internationally and more nations develop. Yeah, no, the only the only concern is going to be uh, whether IFAB gets their act together, and that's one of the issues that we're dealing with right now with the two party system. But uh, given Football Canada's uh, president is now the IFAB president, so it should boast well for for the growth. Um, Michael. Well, uh, no, no IWFL news that I that I'm aware of, unless you know I'm. You can basically you know, kind of enlighten us with this, but no real news in terms of the IWFL. The WFA announced that they were doing their shop now offside, offsite with TeamRebelDirect.com, which is going to be pretty pretty awesome for them. Um, I don't know if they're going to do individual players. That was one of the things I talked to Lisa about how they got the WFA shop, but they don't have. You know, they got to start picking one or two or three players to, to, you know, showcase out there, you know, Jenkins, Hamlin, um, you know, et cetera, like that, uh, so that fans can actually start diving into a name, you know what I mean, or a face or a couple players, even coast to coast, a couple players from the West, the Midwest, and the East on the, on the actual uh, WFA shop. So what's your thoughts there? My thoughts are uh, I haven't I haven't really been checking in the sh- I haven't really been checking over in the WFA shop because I think all of it is just the league brand and merchandise. Hopefully they start. I'm gonna I'll probably start paying more attention when they start making deals and have actual teams merchandise be sold. A single place where you could stop and shop for any team around there in the league. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like I know the shop is good and everything for the logo of the league, but. What's your thoughts on, like I was saying, maybe handpick two or three players uh, so that fans can dive into maybe on in the three different sections of the country, which is the West. Choose one player from the West Coast, you know, choose a player from the Midwest, and maybe choose a player from the East Coast, just so that fans can start get familiarized with certain names. Okay, first off, I have a. Okay, that's a really, that's a pretty tough call. Now on the on the East Coast, of course, I would pick the one I would pick is Allie Hamlin because she's been back to, quarterback for the back to back for the back to back WFA National Champion Tier One W Bowl Champion DC Divas there, so that's an obvious pick there. On yeah, the, of course, mid- that's an obvious pick. Lisa Horton, maybe another one. Um, you know, J- yeah. Jenkins in the Midwest. You got Sowers as well. Um, you know, Jenkins, there's a couple Liz players Sowers, that you can handpick. Or Gore with yeah. the Chicago Forts in the Midwest. Or, yeah. Um, over in on the east side, you had uh, Gallegos, which uh, off of Surge. Um, you also have Liz up Gallegos. north. Um, yeah. So, but that that would be exciting. Um and Kishi, you want to get anything in before? Uh, I know you uh, obviously had to uh, try to go before ten. Um, so if you want to talk, uh, no, get I don't have to. Michael? Go. I don't. I'm not. I don't have to go. But do you have to go? And I do, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I do, unfortunately. So um, ten um, during the school year is generally my um, my breaking point, my 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 exiting stage. Um, but I do have one quick question. With the teams coming back to the WFA, and you know, we talk a lot on the show about teams that will go and from one league to the other. Um, what do you see the, um, or do you, how strong do you think the IWFL will be this year? 
um, in terms of the number of teams that they have as well as the the, uh, viable teams. Because, you know, we saw Minnesota literally go almost go all the way and then lose in the championship. So, you know, what do you think will be the strength of the IWFL this year with the team surging in the WFA? Honestly, I think that the I, I honestly feel that to the average fan, I'd say the I, they would say the IWFL is kind of, is kind, its days are numbered. But yet they've been in certain places before there, and that league, I'd I'd say that league is a cockroach league where you could throw a nuke at it and it would still find a way to keep playing another season. I just think, I honestly think that they're gonna keep, they're gonna try to make this season a go, but I can't. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't really know about the, the one thing that's keeping them go, the IWFL going, is the WFA's 50 mark, 50 yard, 50 mile halo rule, where existing teams can pre- prevent other teams in that area from joining. I've heard, mm. I've seen a few teams in the IWFL or or in some other leagues tell me that the only reason they're not in the WFA is because of that 50 mile halo. Gotcha. So basically they're cutting off their nose despite their face when realistically if they didn't have that halo rule, then we could just get what the fans have been asking for and, and the other commentators have been asking for for years, which is simply one league, <laughs> multiple teams. And, of course, that would be easier for the uh, new fan and uh, to be able to follow the teams and, and the consistency. So they – it sounds like the Halo rule really is cutting off their nose to spite their face. What do you think, Michael? Honestly, yeah, that's got to say that. But honestly, I would say it would – I could see where they're coming from, but I would actually say – but as you can see with alignment, there are some obvious exceptions they were able to make for some teams. But there's something – but first off, but that said, I think it should be reformed where it would only be the 50-yard Halo rule – if the team would be in that same tier. For example, it makes no sense for a Tier 3 team to keep a Tier 1 team out of the WFA. <laughs> I agree with that. I, no, I absolutely agree. But remember, I mean, they really are just more or less just instituting the the Tier system. Last year, last year was really the first time with the Tier season. So I think a huge success so far. Yeah, and it has been, and I think that now that we have the tier system, it will allow, like you said, to maybe counteract that halo um, rule, and maybe it will allow the league to get stronger. Yeah, but still, I think you said you're with the you're which team are you with again? Wait, say it again. Which team are you with again? Oh, I'm not with any team. I'm one of the co-hosts. <laughs> Okay, because I would say, because I had heard that go all the way to tile game only lose. I just got the impression you were with the Vixen. I was going to say you should talk Aww. things out with the machine and may possibly reach out a deal. Yeah, no, I um, no, I'm um, I'm, but I'm still new to this sport though. I'm still new to women's football, so I I think I've been on the show maybe two and a half, almost three years now. But yeah, it, it definitely, I think with this. Um, tier system, I think it hopefully will allow the league to get stronger because that was one of the things I've always said was that when you're new to the sport and you're trying to figure out team is what team, it's a lot easier with the NFL. You know, you, you've got 32 teams, you know where they are, you know who they play, you've got, 
your, you know, you got your NFL, your NFC, your AFC, and then you break it down into your divisions. And that's easy to follow. With the women's football game, it's so all over the place. It's very difficult to learn and, and as well as to figure out what teams to follow and what players to follow because there's so much, I, I don't want to say disjunction or, you know, but it, it's so disjointed that it really is difficult to follow when you're first learning. So I, I definitely hope that they can figure out a way to come under one umbrella. And if the tiered system allows them to do that, I'm all for it. I hope it does. Too. I hope so too, because we're going to see, but I, but honestly, I'm saying that, but honestly, I think what they need is a real, is a real promotion developmental system there because I'm not, because I don't, because I kind of see the WFA in the years to come as becoming less of a full set league and becoming more of a, an umbrella organization for one tier one, two and three would be their own leagues. WFA would be the umbrella organization for all of them. So we could, but we do need, we do need an umbrella organization to spearhead the movement. So that still has to be done. Yeah. And then, and the one last thing that I want to say, and, and Michael, and then I'm going to jump off and let you answer the question. But um, in speaking of moving forward, because we always keep calling it the Women's Professional Football League, but, you know, as we mentioned earlier with Anna, it's really more of a minor league because they aren't playing, and what they're playing for is so pitiful financially, and you know, with no insurance and all the above. What do you see as the future of the sport in terms of legitimately becoming a professional sport where people are actually going to receive paychecks and health insurance and, dare I even say, some retirement benefits <laughs> in case they get injured in such a way, you know, as we see with the men, that they're no longer able to play. Um, how far off do you think the women's sport is in terms of truly becoming a professional league? And, um, you know, I'll defer to you and listen. And then after Michael answers my question, I'm going to get off for the night, guys. So thanks in advance for an awesome evening again. I actually think that the before we see – we may not be seeing them – I honestly think we're quite a ways away from actually seeing them make a living, seeing them doing it where the women can just play the game for a living – that said, I do think we're closer to that there being a stipend for each player there. Each team getting paid a little each team getting paid some amount enough usually enough to cover hotel and transportation and anything else on the trip there. I think we're closer to seeing yeah, that think, pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be probably the first step to uh legitimized uh pay in that aspect of it where you cover the cost sort of like the minor league in baseball in reality um you get to that stage um where they cover some of the costs as well but uh, their wage is obviously not as great as anywhere else um michael the the aspect or the attraction of the women's football alliance uh, just give us give give the uh, listeners a little uh, feedback here why do you think that everybody's drawing. We we talked about it in the past interviews where there's players from Australia coming over, there's players from Europe coming over. There's you know there's interest in this league now. Um, you know is is this now the evolution? Uh, you know of the of the new WFA. 
I really think so there. The fact is, they're seeing the team, we're seeing the major moves that the two, because the USA has been the dominant team in the inter, in the international competitions, obviously they would be. So the players are trying to see how, it, they want to find out exactly who the best of the best are and which teams are the best in the U.S. So once they, they'll go to the WF, of course, they go to the WFA to see them. And when they see, and when they see the, them, they're going to find out, when they see the best of the best there, they're going to think about which city in the U.S. they've always wanted to come spend, spend the spring and summer in, and they're going to go play, they're going to go play for that team. So essentially, it's some, it's really be, this is really something which the women of all, overseas have always wanted to do, they've always dreamed of. I'm so grateful that the women's foot, that this game is a that the league women's football is at a point where it can help them do that. Now internationally, we cover a lot of the stuff that we cover uh, with our network. It's a huge network. We are really appreciative. Uh, you starting to uh, get an idea of how big it is internationally. So, do you feel like uh, their vision is to come to the states at some point in in the in the international scene where everybody's getting you know. Uh, dived into the sport because they want to at some point come to play maybe in the States? I really think, I think, I really think we are, we are headed that direction there because the States, the leagues in the States are going to be the top goals are going to be the top goals there. But at the same time I see over overseas, it's kind of like what you see with basketball there. Of course, the NBA is the goal, but players who can't make it to the NBA, who can't make it to the NBA are look are constantly hoping to go overseas and get and get a good pay, career with that, going with that. So I honestly, I think it can go both ways. We're going to be seeing international players play in the U.S. leagues. We're going to be seeing more U.S. players play in the international leagues as well because the game is growing and I'm happy to be a part of to be covering it. Yeah, the, the, the exciting part is that it's, to your point, it's not just in one region now. It is literally global. I mean, we've covered the league. I've covered the league, uh, you know, the sport for five years. Internationally, we've covered it for maybe four and a half, four years. Uh, the growth in Australia, three, three leagues there. The potential in Mexico with another two or three or four leagues there, uh, not including you know, the, the lingerie bikini style leagues there. I'm talking just the full kit leagues in Mexico in general. Um, you have uh, Brazil that is, uh, from my, uh, my information that I'm gathering, Brazil is also going to start a women's division in their uh, men's clubbing mentality. Uh, you have Europe, all of Europe, pretty much on, on the map with it. So uh, this, is, this is huge. And if the WFA can take advantage of maybe setting up a real pro league, sort of like the National Hockey League when all the European players started to come to America to play in the NHL, then there is a potential for this league to literally grow fast and be viable. There's such huge potential that I see there. And you see even and you see with those the growth even in Division 3 with the tiny markets coming with the markets that you never to really think of on a major league, major level, there, you have not only you have the three division, the three teams which started this, joining Division Three. There, you had the teams. They were from Hartford, Albany, and Danbury, Hartford and Danbury, Connecticut, and Albany, New York, respectively. And then you have teams. 
Then you had a team from Portland, Maine, and the little team in Cincinnati coming back here, enjoying there. And then, and then you have, and that's to say nothing of all the new markets you're seeing it be developed in, like, for example, the Hampton Roads Lady Gators in the new, in the Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Hampton, Newfork, new, Newport News area, and also, and also the teams in, but you saw the first ever team, first ever. The first ever women's football team in the state of South Carolina is starting up. South Carolina Smash. Overall, it's not. It's only going to be a matter of time before you see every mar, every market that has been known to have a sustainable mi, major or minor league presence have a women's team out there. Michael, we talked going, about the East Coast being. We talked about the the East Coast being the place where this league would evolve from. Uh, I know, you know, we don't want to exclude the Midwest or the West, but the potential for this league or the WFA is an example. The potential for this WFA to be to make a mark and make an awareness mark is going to be on the East Coast, especially right now with Sam Rappaport on the East Coast in the, in the NFL realms. You got Sowers in Atlanta. You got Jen Welker also in the East Coast area working with the NFL programs and stuff like that. So I think if the WFA – um, ownership really needs to focus on the Eastern swing if they really want to create a true professional league because the majority of the squads, as we talked about, the top-tier squads, you know, the Renegades, the Passion, uh, you're talking, you know, the Divas, the Force, uh, even the Fusion now coming into play. And then you got Atlanta Phoenix down south. you got a couple of the Florida teams now uh, maturing back up, the Fury, uh, the, the Inferno, and, and then the Fire. So there's a, a potential for the East Coast to come up with, you know, a nice 6-12 to 12 league, a true professional league, just to, just to see and test it out and see if there's a fan interest, sponsorship interest. And from there, obviously, it grows from there. But uh, it, it's just, I mean, to me, it's, uh, this is, I've been following the sport for five years. This is 2016, probably the most exciting uh, time in terms of news, in terms of potential, in terms of, uh, caliber of football. I mean, when you when you you know start checking off things about the sport, this is this has been probably the biggest year. Yes, it ha- it sure it certainly has been. You can see that you're seeing more more and more teams. Them more and more teams are getting a local presence there. Are getting are getting a presence and making headlines there. Honest and honestly, I was when we first talked about that concept, I was kind of upset Midwest being left out. But honestly, I can see that. That they the Midwest teams can keep doing what they've always what they've been doing in their own do them doing for the time being while they're trying to folk make a good solid East Coast league. But I tell you, but I re, but I tell you, Chicago, Dallas, and Kansas City are going to be the first places they go when they want to expand past the East Coast. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of teams that you you can handpick uh, straight out as to your point before. Uh, there's teams that. You, you know, if you had to draw from six to eight teams, obviously there, there's going to be at least two or three Midwest teams, but the rest of them are going to be on the East Coast. And, and that right there makes the brand very strong. And then if you have, you know, the Champs, they, they have a good fan base. The Divas have a good fan base there with Locale. With, and, and now the, uh, the relationship that they're building with, with the WoW Redskins uh, fans, uh, as well as the events that are happening, like this past weekend when they were hosting the WoW Redskins event. Uh, with Jenkins and Smith and um, and Hamlin, 
uh, you know, mingling it up with Santana Moss and Jen Wilker out there. So that right there just is going to enhance the awareness. Uh, you know, the amount of people that were at that event understand now that there was actually a championship women's team in the Washington area, which probably before they didn't even re- realize that there was even a women's team there at any. Yep, that's going to be. Heck, see, see more. I'm actually looking at the Alp fan art out al- logo fan art album I did there, seeing all the teams that are currently set to be in the WFA this season there. And it's currently yeah, and you to- follow the sport more. You follow the sport more closely than I do in terms of individual leagues because we 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 get you know we we try to follow as best as we can, but we get so much stuff from everywhere else that sometimes we miss the boat on that. And that's why we, you know, you're a go-to guy for us as well to kind of dive into something that we've missed uh, on the group boards or on your own uh, Facebook page. So uh, I want to, I want to say that uh, we've gotten a lot of feedback from fans, very appreciative of your work. Uh, I got a lot of players, obviously that are very appreciative of your efforts and and work on your Facebook lives um, are very very funny in a good way, but very informative in another way and very supportive for all the teams. So I've uh, got to give you a shout out for that. And all the players are, you know, obviously gearing up for the new season. So keeping up with the news and everything, uh, very beneficial that you are to the sport. Thank you so much, Oscar. It's a pleasure to, it's a pleasure to be one of those. It's a pleasure to be one of those go-to guys there. As I was, as I was saying there, you're seeing, the reason I'm excited about what's going on there is because for the first time in quite some time, you are getting some of the best of the best teams on a single page there. I mean, no less than – I mean, this year the WFA is taking in no less than – let me see, one, two – has taken in no less than four teams which were champions and other leagues from the – which were champions in their old leagues for this season there. You've got the Carolina Phoenix IWFL Founders Bowl champions, the Maine Mayhem last year's IWFL Affiliate Bowl champions, Got the Cincinnati Sizzle, last year's USWFL National Champions. Got the Music City Misfits, last year's LAFL Champions. And they I'll say on common is they're all they're all going to be in the WFA now. So I think so I think they got they really have a point with with that slogan they have on their website called champion how champions play here. This is really going to be a good selling point, seeing how much how much the teams have accomplished elsewhere and how they're now going to be on one page and we're all that much closer to finally having a real system to determine who's really the best. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I think the the turning point will be when the Utah and the Vixen, either them two jump ship. If that have, if that happens, then we are looking at the IWFL. I wouldn't say to you know dissolve or anything like that, but at the same time, uh, you're going to start to look at the WFA in a more NFL like type of league and the vision is there and I'm pretty sure Lisa is listening Lisa's probably uh, you know listened to you often um, and probably has listened to a lot of the owners Um, the time the time is now yeah the time is now to make make a move because this is the time is now I mean uh, Sam has given you the platform with USA football with the women's football games events right visibility the partnership with the NFL with the Saints now she's at the front offices uh, of development in the NFL. There's Jen, who's on the road and, and making waves in terms of awareness and uh, teaching and coaching and, you know, with the, NFL, with the NFL programs as well. 
Um, you got Katie now in Atlanta. Um, so, you know, there's, there's three visible women now involved in relationships with the big men's clubs, which is the big umbrella, which is the big gorilla, which is the NFL. So, you know, if you're the WFA, Lisa King or Mr. King, uh, you need to start having conversations with those three people because this is the way you're going to get this league to be a true professional league. And if you're willing to do that, now is the time. Yes, it is. That's because all these people there, and there are so many more people in various other leagues as I was, but as I've been saying, the only thing, the only reason why the other leagues are still standing is because of that 50-mile halo, as I said. They're going to need to, so the one thing, I think the last move they need to make to officially claim victory here is to talk about how, talk about how to reform that. And as I said, mainly limit it to within, to it being a halo with it, of those who would be in the same tier. Yeah, I, I think that really is a key right there to your point. It really limits the potential because uh, we're not – ultimately, we've had the discussion where we said, hey, let's take the six best teams on the East Coast and make one professional league for, you know, a, a three-year tryout. We're not eliminating uh, the farm system, if that's what you want to call it. We're not going to eliminate the farm system because that's your bread and butter. So, But at the same time, uh, when you eliminate that rule – you give the opportunity, like you said, to have more teams locally, better opportunity for the feeder system, and it really just composes uh, the league as a true legit league in terms of uh, fundamentals, in terms of bringing up you know individuals, and then a feeder system for a true uh, football league, just like uh, you know, just like any other league, like baseball, for example. It would be the WFA's top eight teams if they kicked off as a pro league, and then you would at some point you would still have you know, the, the women's leagues below that. So, you know, you can do the same thing the AFL did, which is AFL, right? They had the American, the uh, the Arena Football League, and then all of a sudden they had Arena Football League 2 and Arena Football League 3. So you can still have WFA as the staple umbrella, and you can still have a WFA 2 or a WFA 3. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm thinking. Exactly what I'm thinking, because we're seeing, because as we're saying, I don't, I expect that, there are actually going to be some more teams joining. T- there may be some more teams joining Tier One this year, in particular teams who could make teams the other tiers who are ready to make part, who are ready to make partnerships with the NFL teams in their markets. They're going to be real. They're going to. They're start, Their number as they get. They more get word gets more out. They're going to be going up there because going up teams that didn't. No, and for example. You got Dal- you got the Dallas Elite uh, joining forces with the Dallas Cowboys to do events and stuff, just like the uh, Wow the Wow Redskins event with the Divas. Um, the opportunity is there now for a a true relationship with the NFL, and then maybe yeah. at some point, like I said, the LF- the NFL owners realizing that maybe they they will take a gamble, just like they did with NFL Europe, you know, and maybe uh you know set up a six to ten or eight. Uh, women's football league on the East Coast. Yeah, because they're already because they're already talking their... about making. They're already talking about make. They're already wanting to make a new NFL development league. So why not start up a women's league? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would be a nice relationship because if you can have, for example, the Redskins financially back the Divas and the Cowboys and some some small amount financially back the Elite, 
then you know all we all you need to be back then is a travel. I mean, the travel expense is the only thing that really would prevent anything from starting. But if the if the NFL clubs could at least fit the bill for travel with, based on their relationships, uh, then 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 the opportunity is there for the true league to start. Yes, it is. Saying there is going to. It's one of the biggest hurdles, I think. It's one of the biggest hurdles that is affecting the game. If if the NFL can even fit the bill for the uh, travel expenses, uh, I don't think any of the players are going to complain about not getting paid because they're not getting paid now. So as long as they can get to and from the games and showcase what they're able to do on the field, and then from there they'll get paid because if if the fans come into the stands and the sponsors just you know decide it's a good product then the revenue for the player will start to come in after that. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. All right, Michael. So I have you on here. So let's, let's talk some international news that I took notes on that what's happening. And if, um, for the fans, you guys can go to facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You can check out our Instagram gallery of amazing, talented women on, in terms of American football and um, non-full kit. And you can go to uh, the Gridiron Beauties Instagram page, as well as we have a contest going on right now, a December, hashtag December giveaway. You go to our Facebook page now, enter the contest, and it's till the December 12th. One lucky person will win the new design pair of leggings that we have from the Zazzle shop at zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Um, Michael, the Canada football chat featured uh, Annabelle Chivry of the Montreal Blitz, uh, I'm thinking that would be one of the teams that should jump ship to the East Coast. If they ever started a true professional league, you would have to incorporate the Blitz. you agree? I, I certainly think so. As I, was, as I was saying, I had often imagined that the Blitz would be the team. I had often imagined that the Blitz would be the team which would start, which would head off to start the new, start up a Canadian league for, uh, Ontario and Quebec teams. Of course, that has not happened. So we're gonna. See, so I'm thinking that they should. They of course should be the next big thing to get. Every good, every good sports league in the North America needs at least one Canadian team. Because, like you, you see how the you see how the MLB, how the Toronto Blue Jays are the spice of the MLB, and the Toronto Raptors are of the NBA, and how the seven Canadian teams are of the NHL. So. That's certainly going to be yeah, exactly. Potential to open up that ga- open up this game to a brand new market because they got the Blitz are going to have a whole country rooting for them. So that is some real power right there. Yeah, I think it, and, and also if you start a new league on the East Coast, if you have Montreal, which is a big metro for you know North America. Uh, that right there gives you some sort of legit aspect because the NFL has been talking about moving Buffalo there for years, you know, moving to Toronto Actually, or Montreal that Toronto, or like that. No ownership is made sure they're going to stay in Buffalo, but yeah, I feel you there. The NFL has always had a little fascination with Canada there, even though the CFL wants to protect their turf, but Canada is a really, Canada is a really great, really ex- exciting market there. Any league, which really, as I said, any major league in the U S should have, which wants to really make go things should have at least one Canadian team because the atmosphere that team brings to the league is going to be totally electric. Yeah, and if the if the pro league does launch in the East Coast, it just makes more sense to have Montreal. They're they're closer, obviously, to New York and and Pennsylvania and all those places. So 
Um, it, it just makes more sense there. Um, Michael, we have the Copa España hopping up this weekend. I don't know if you're aware of it. FIFA Spain, last week there were the semifinals, the Drox, the Barcelona, the uh, Badalona Drox taking on the, um, the Buffaloes. Uh, Buffaloes now will face the Barbera Rookies, which is the dominant team in the Spanish League. Um, it's been the dominant team for a long time. Um, so that's exciting right there in itself. Um, BAP, the uh, BAFA women uh, push, put out a Six Ways to Spain video, which was a com- accumulation of their uh, international match against Spain. It was a while back in, I believe, November. But you can check it out. Um, if I go through my notes here, Behind the Mask is a new blog by our, uh, for, our co-host, Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics. It's very intriguing. It goes behind the scenes, not just with the women's game, but with individual players. Uh, it has to do with how they persevere, how they get through certain things off the field in terms of injury and everything else. Um, it, it featured uh, DC Divas Missy Bedwell. So if you guys want to check it out, it's on our Facebook page as well at Great Iron Beauties. So uh, very good, very good job by Holly doing those pieces. So it's behind the mask, and you can follow at Holly Custis on Facebook as well. Um, and then the uh, the actual uh, blog site is relentless21.wordpress.com, relentless21.wordpress.com. Um, a lot of the stories, Michael, they're coming out. A lot of girls we follow. A lot of the we follow the sport. We're uh, kind of working with Bleacher. Uh, Bleacher.com, which is a great site for youth sports and high school uh, athletes to get notice for college and stuff like that. But they also follow uh, some of the girl stuff. So this past weekend, Savannah Melton of the NLR Fall, this uh, young lady that we uh, that we support as well uh, through our No Joke Football Program, uh, her awesome season, and she was the first girl to score a, a field goal or a point in a final championship game in the state of Arkansas. That's that pretty cool or what? It's a, it is so cool. You're seeing, cause that honestly is where the, is where the future women's foot of the women's football game is. When it goes, those, those women who are playing, who are getting more and more chances playing the high school teams in all sorts of positions. That is going to be what takes the women's football game in the U S to the next big level there. Then I'm going to have, we always put on our flyers no prior experience needed because most women around this area don't play football. But you're going to see more and more, more and more of those with experience are going to join, with experience in high school and before are going to join the, are going to join the leagues. That's what's really going to, be, that's how you know we're really, women's game in America is really going to be something solid. Yeah, and it's uh, we you know we're covering Kristen Moore out of Arizona. There's a bunch of players that are focused and showcased also on our Facebook page through GI Quindom, as well as um, some of the Notar, uh, notarized uh, local local papers that we follow and try to link with. So there's a lot of excitement in terms of girls from not just soccer itself, but some girls from different sports actually diving into men's clubs like Ashton Brooks uh, into, their, into their clubs. And some of them are not even participating in, in – um, in just a kicker mode, some of them are participating in offensive lineman format, cornerbacks. So it's really, really uh, exciting that all these girls are now, you know, up in their game. I'm ready to be. Yes, that is how you. That is going to be, as I was saying, that is really where they're, step, where they're stepping it up. 
You're going to see more and more women pl- play for the beds teams, all walks of the game. That is going to be what, where the strength of our leagues are. That's where the strength of our league is going to be in the long run because we're going to, when you see the first, because that's, all, that's really all going to develop there. We honestly don't know when that's going to come. But when you see the first woman get signed and play a game for a team in the NFL, that's really going to that's she's going to be someone who's bad, had that high school experience, that experience on these other levels. All right. I think we have Troy back. We kind of dropped off uh, on our feet, I think, but uh, I believe Troy's back. Troy, are you back? I'm back. Don't know what's going awesome. on today. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Uh, just one of these things were like last week, I, I think we're getting uh, one of these glitches or satellite feeds and then it drops off the signal and stuff. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so I apologize gotcha. for dropping you off. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, you, Troy, uh, we were just talking about the you know the women's game, how girls you know Savannah Milton we talked about, we caught Kristen Moore, Ashton Brooks. Uh, I mean, we can go on and on a, a bunch of names that are obviously coming up. Um, you know, in in terms of the sport, not just on a field goal mode, but also you know playing cornerback and defensive end. So, um, we were just talking to Michael about it. How it's this is literally the interest starting point. Uh, at a level of college, maybe that's going to be the next level, the next step where maybe some college, the NCAA, as an example, might start to do something, which I doubt it's going to happen. But reality is girls are now interested in the sport and they're playing on, um, you know, boys' high school teams. So what's your thoughts? Well, I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of taboo. It was, it was really wasn't heard of. I mean, you had a few of the young ladies who came out and they were interested in playing the and they were interested in playing the game, and you know they would inquire with either you know some of the coaching staff, and they would kind of walk around and talk to some of the players, and you know some of the guys got a good laugh out of it, but there were a, a lot of guys, surprisingly on my end, who uh, actually took it serious and answered the questions for these ladies. Um, I think one of the things that I saw growing up was that. Um, there was a, a young lady who petitioned to get out and play, and she was injured on the first. She was injured on the on the kickoff. They had her on the kickoff team, and um, on that first play, I mean, she got hit pretty hard, and, and she was injured at that point, and she ended up suing the county. And so it almost became a thing where they, you know, I, I think some of the people in the county that I lived in at the time, I'm not going to say which county it was, but they were looking to just sort of ban young ladies from playing but since then i mean you've you've seen a lot of these young ladies go out and play and what you've seen mostly is that they they will come out and and become kickers but i think even on the you know when you're kicking the ball off you know and some people just think oh you know it's just safe being a kicker well you know you also have to run down and cover that kick and then when you see also is that these young ladies are making tackles and when you see that and they're willing to stick their nose in there and, and, and take a guy down to the ground and, and do a, you know, a nice form tackle, you, you really start to take it serious at that point. And so that, that enthusiasm and seeing things like that inspire other young ladies who are interested in playing football or who are not interested in playing, you know, uh, volleyball or women's basketball and, and things like that. And they inspire them to want to play it. So when you see that, that, that becomes, you know, that, it becomes contagious. 
And now what you have is all of these leagues popping up, not only in the U.S., but throughout the world. I mean, we talk about this every single week about all of these leagues that are popping up and there's so much interest in the game. And so right now, I just think that, you know, football is at a football interest um, with women right now are at an all-time high. And, the, and the, the best thing about it is that this will not be the pinnacle. This is not going to be the summit here. It's just going to continue to draw more interest. And I just think what you're also you're going to see a lot more young ladies willing to play it at the high school level. Michael, in Wisconsin, you guys are starting – you were starting the girls' tackle leagues just like – uh, you know, Sam Gordon did in Utah. The Georgia, the Georgia league started in Georgia. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of interest in getting uh, girls tackle football, just like you you would you would have done in Pop Warner for boys. So uh, that's got to be pretty exciting. Uh, but at the same time, to Troy's point, a lot of parents are still leery at the fact of, of the contact, right? Right. That's a yeah, yeah that they are. But there's it's important to know that we're going to – some people are going to be upset about, worried about the context and all that. But it's important to know that, that these women, they know what the risks – they've done – they love the game. They've done the research. They know the risks. So as long as they know the risks and are willing to take – willing to go with them, let them play. I'm saying. No, I think it's just really yeah, more man. of an issue because you get a, you get a lot of issues with concussion uh, – feedback saying that obviously the younger the the, the younger the player the more pro, uh, prone for neck injury or migraines and all that other stuff that comes with contact sports so go ahead Troy yeah I mean I was I was also going to say um, one of the things that you're starting to see are are the young ladies interested in playing the offensive and defensive lines which is which is awesome at that point um there was um, – I forget the gentleman's name. Uh, he played, he's the center for the Jets. Um, his sister played high school football in, in the state of Ohio. And, you know, she right now she's, in a, she's an Olympic uh, lifter. And, you know, she played, she played center um, in her high school days. And she was dominant. I mean, she was absolutely dominant, man. I mean, it, I, you know, I, watching her play – and, and seeing the movement that she got, I mean, she, she was strong. She was technically sound. And I just think the great thing about playing football is you don't necessarily have to be the biggest, the strongest, the toughest, the meanest, the fastest, but, you you know, to be technically sound. And so what I think when the ladies start to see that part of it, when it's, you know, they, they concentrate more so on, on uh, working on their technique, I think that they'll see that there are some rewards that you can get out of it. You can also see a lot of success that comes from it. Anything to add on that, Michael? Yep. See a lot of the success comes from there. That's really what, that's what basically what he said, that there's going to, that there's going to be, these younger levels are where the success of the future comes from there. And that we're gonna, and that that's the game. The reason why the game is getting better is because more young women are playing earlier on, and they're earlier on and getting more experience there. So when they play for the when they eventually play for the women's teams, we're gonna see some awesome. 
We're get, the quality of the game will never have been better there. Yeah, it's going to be a very, uh, very exciting times as well. Um, one, I want to just let everybody know the Utah Girls uh, Football League for 2017. Uh, it's going to be launching their tryouts. Uh, we'll go, go ahead and keep you updated uh, as soon as Crystal Sacco gives us the updates, and we'll share those on our, on our Facebook groups as well so that uh, whoever's in Utah, but also the Georgia Girls uh, Football League as well. And then we can't forget the Amer- – um, Manitoba, uh, up up north, the original girls tackle football league up in Canada, uh, the Manitoba G- girls football league also will have their tryouts for 2017, which they work closely with the uh, WWCFL up north. So it's pretty exciting there. Um, Michael, did you get a chance? I know I send the link to Troy. Anybody get a chance between the two of you guys? I know I did. I watched it. The Opal Bowl 2016, which is the uh, the Raiders, the New South Wales Raiders taken on the uh, Northwestern Phoenix. It was a 40-6 to battle. Uh, coming into the game, the previous game matchup, the Raiders had uh, barely, they, they had to do a comeback to win 22-20 to against North, uh, the Phoenix. Unfortunately for the Phoenix, uh, their matchup this time did not, did not start very well. Uh, Daniel DeGroote had some difficulty and then obviously injury then their backup quarterback wasn't able to finish as well. And so the Raiders even lost their quarterback in the process in the late third quarter. Uh, but they, they pretty much took care of business. Stacey Spears with, with an interception, Lucia with the good running, Evie Bro, um, you know, with the good techniques on there. So, um, Michael, did you by any chance get to see the game on our link uh, on, our, on our page or no? I have unfortunately hadn't gotten a chance to see that yet because I was working. I'm so because I was working on reports there, covering, announcing what's going on in Queensland and also in, and also what's going on with the FXF league in Mexico City. So unfortunately, I haven't gotten a chance to see that video yet. All right, so it's it's on our Facebook page. When you get a chance, it's a really good game. Uh, you get to watch it. I know it's uh, the score says it's a blowout, but there was a lot of good effort onto it. Um, the the Phoenix just, you know, somehow did not come to play on the biggest stage, and they had issues all over the place. So, uh, you know, the Raiders obviously took advantage of that, um, and they, you know, they obviously went soundly. It's their back-to-back championships. So congratulations to uh, Stacey Spear, uh, Kate Gardner, Evie Bro, uh, Lucia, as well as uh, Shari Onley. Uh, you can get you can get the Shari Onley uh, pick on our Instagram right now. And uh, she's kissing up her trophy as well. So congratulations to the new, new uh, South Wales Raiders for their back-to-back championships. Um, the other ones uh, we talked about was last week, Gold Coast Stingrays take care of the uh, Logan City Jets. And the Stingrays become three-time champions and then the first back-to-back champions in Queensland, which is very exciting times. Uh, FX Mexico, yep. Michael, I, I have not seen the results for the finals yet. Uh, I know the semifinals the happened last week. Ma- we're still waiting. The semifinals waiting. were played last week. The semifinals were played last weekend. The finals are going to be coming up there. In the finals there. So it's going to be exciting. Vikingas, I, I think Vikingas are the favorites at this point, if I had to put my money on it. Very Claire, tough team. Very good and fundamentally sound. Vikane should put together a good game, game against them, too, against the Vikingas, the, the Vikingas too. And yeah, but I think the they're front, the front the front runners. 
Also, the Panteras upset the Jaguars, where they're going to be playing whoever ended up winning that Demonios Negras versus Sharks game in the Division Two title game. And all the and Sharks are rebounding team. because this would be like their second go round. You see, see, so that would be, so if they win, they win this game, they could be, and they're moving all the way up to Division One there. Yeah, and that's the beauty of this of this FXF. The beauty of the FXX is the fact that, you know, if you win uh, on the lower division, you get the opportunity to be bumped to the to the higher division, which is really exciting. Yep, and if you're not doing so well in the higher divisions, then you get the opportunity to compete again in one of the lower divisions until you get there. So it's it's Shell it's Shell. Uh, um, she's she's done a great job with that league. Um, so very, very big fans that we are of, of the FXX Mexico, as well as Lexfa, Lexfa in Mexico as well. So we got to mention that as well. Um, in the WFA offseason notes, before we let you go, uh, Michael, uh, Ch- Chicago Force tryouts are going to happen this coming weekend on the 10th. From my notes here, um, you know, big squad, consistently good squad. Uh, Coach Konecki, awesome. Loses Gore, but I'm pretty sure he's got – a backup plan to put somebody in place for that quarterback spot. Um, so he's always really good at, at adjustments. So um, this is the same same coach that went to Australia to help out launch the team there, and and he's probably going to be part of the coaching staff uh, in Australia for the Worlds. So it's going to be that's going to be very interesting. Sure, it certainly is. So that's why I have my I have my hopes up that Australia is probably going to make a very surprise impact in the world. I hope so too. All right, so um, you guys can check out our our uh, new video, Champions video. It's uh, it's on Facebook and Instagram. It's a it's a highlight reel of 2016 champions uh, from the European Championships all the way to the North America to Australia and Mexico. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. It's Champions Video on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, so, Michael, anything else before we let you go? I really appreciate you making the time. Uh, looking forward to the WFA season as well as the IWFL, but with all the changes coming up, everything that's been announced so far, uh, just, you know, you cannot but be excited for April. Yep, that's good. Of course I'm really, exci- of course I'm really excited like that about that. Because the, because there's far as because it really about what's ahead. Because as far as it goes, there there's still more things to, to going on there. Because I spoke with Lisa King earlier today. She told me to expect a few more teams to, before your new teams pop up, and a couple more teams to jump ship from the jump ship over to the WFA. So we haven't seen the last of this re, of this league switcheroos. Wow, look at, look at this, Troy. We get breaking news. Our Adam Schefter, Michael Burmy here, giving us insights. Yep. Right on time with it, too. Right on time with it. Thanks, Mike. Right on time. All right, Michael, we're going to call you the Adam Schefter now of the uh, of the Women's Insider League. That's awesome. Um, so we <laughs> really appreciate that. Looking forward to it. Uh, you guys can follow Michael we're gonna see, at... Uh, so, in, they, so in the future, you're going to see... When the when it finally gets big enough to see a big, to see the network there, when you see a big banner, you're gonna see that big banner there for the alert, and it says Mike Burmey reports this so and so is going on there. There you go. <laughs> Good um, stuff, Mike. So we we got 
the good thing is we got you first. The good thing is we got you first, and we know you first. So we're gonna get first dibs on that. So uh, that's that's the beauty of the whole thing. Um, of course. So yeah, Mike. I mean, it's gonna be really exciting. Uh, you know, to like sit in the next couple months here because tryouts are evolving right now in December and January, and then in the middle of March is when all the cutoff in terms of the rosters happen. So really, we'll really get to see. You know the Massey ratings as to how they how they're going to rate the teams prior to kickoff, and then I always enjoy the Massey ratings in the towards the middle and last part of the season because they've always since I followed them they've always been a real good gauge in terms of you know who's going to uh, based on strength of schedule who's going to be you know a big factor in the end. Yep. All right, Michael, thank you very much for joining us. You guys can follow Michael on Facebook at Michael Burmy. He does a lot of cool stuff on there as well as information. Um, gives, keeps you updated and in, informed in terms of what's going on in the women's game. Uh, as well as you can catch Michael on the uh, women's football um, group sites as well. And, uh, Michael, uh, let them know where they can find you on social media. All right, you can find me over on Facebook. You can find you can find my page. Just type in Michael Burmy there. You'll see that fan art I did of my that self portrait fan art I did of myself with the green profile pic. That's me there. You find me under the fa- Facebook.com backslash Burmy Nomad because that was my old name there. Or you can call it a, or you can awesome. find me on Twitter at that twitter.com slash WFB fan art because that's what I was known for doing. Awesome. So, uh, Michael, thanks again for coming in. Uh, we'll chime in in another, maybe another 60 days or so, as soon as maybe 30 days before the kickoff of the season, kind of go through the whole thing again, you know, kind of figure out where everybody's going to be slotted in terms of the but division. But I'm most looking forward to about the schedules about and all that when they come out. Yeah, so that we can kind of dive into, you know, who's going to have the big advantage in what division and who's going to come out of it in terms of our predictions. So that'll that'll be very exciting to kind of like, you know dissect. So uh, Michael, thanks again. Have a great evening. Happy holidays if we don't get to uh, talk, and then happy New Year as well. Forward Same to you. another chat in the new year. Me too. Me too. Same to you. Happy holidays, Mike. All right, Mike. Have a All great right. one. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. All right, Troy. That was Michael Burmey. So we got about. I don't know, 15, 12 minutes. Um, let's dive into uh, college. Just give us maybe the top three stories coming out of this last week in college, and then we'll dive into uh, week 14 in the NFL before we get out of here. Well, the top story right now is that the the college football playoffs are complete now. And so you have your number one seed would be the Alabama Crimson Tide, who finishes the season uh, undefeated. Uh, they beat Florida handily in the SEC championship game. Uh, Clemson is now ranked at the number two position. They won the ACC championship. It was a tight match against Virginia Tech down in Orlando. Game came down to uh, the final play um, in in. Uh, Clemson won that by seven points. Virginia Tech was driving down the field. Actually could have tied the game up, but, you know, Clemson, their defense, uh, they found a way to start to slow down that Virginia Tech offense, which, by the way, they really picked it up by the end of the year. They're going to be a really, really good team uh, coming up next year. 
Look forward to watching Virginia Tech possibly taking over the ACC. They really had a great coach. They really have a great uh, coach team down there, and they got some good recruits coming in this uh, this next coming year. Then you got Ohio State coming in at number three. Uh, they were idle this week because they didn't get a chance to play the Big Ten Championship, even though the Big Ten champ was the Penn State Nittany Lions, who came back from a 28-7 to deficit and came all the way back to upset Wisconsin. Um, and a lot of people really wanted to see Penn State in the playoff. But, you know, when it came down to it, it they really couldn't uh, figure out a way to allow Penn State to come in, especially with that, that huge 39-point loss to Michigan early in the season. Um, they just didn't feel like that they kind of fit the bill as one of the top four teams. So Ohio State gets the bid with them only having one loss on the season instead of the two-loss Penn State, even though they won the Big Ten Championship. And that's followed up by Washington. Washington won the Pac-12 championship. They beat Colorado easily once again. um, You know, Colorado goes in with an injured quarterback. And, you know, the wheels kind of went off of them. And and so Washington is now moving on, and they will be playing Alabama. And that both of those matchups, uh, first matchup will be Alabama versus Washington. That will be on December the 31st. And then the second matchup will be Clemson versus Ohio State, also on December 31st. So look forward to those days on uh, New Year's Eve. It's going to be huge for the college playoffs at that point. Now, NFL Week 14, you got the Raiders and the Chiefs this Thursday. Big get matchup. You've been right on point with the Chiefs, uh, you know, the Raiders were basically our, our team, and Keisha had picked the Raiders as well as, you know, surprising team by yourself. So this Thursday, I, is, is Andy Reid taking care of business here and Del Rio maybe step back? I think Andy Reid just taking care of business. I mean, because, I mean, listen, they're not the most flashy offense, and if you look at their offensive rankings, they're, they're not the flashiest defense either. But what they do is they play sound football, and they don't allow you to score. They make the plays when they need to make them. So I just think Andy Reid, man, one of the most underrated coaches in the game. I'm looking forward to them winning again and continuing their role down the rest of the season. So the crucial status right now, Seattle looks like it's on an upswing right now. You're looking at uh, Atlanta uh, taking on the Rams. Pretty easy win for them if you're looking at the playoff standings right now. Um, what do you what do you see right now this, this week? The, the surprise, I mean, uh, the Patriots – pretty much own the own the conference at this point and they really the AFC in, in general uh besides the Raiders so the big test really is this game right Thursday it's nine it's the Raiders Chiefs it'll be the test of who finishes second in the AFC well you also have this uh Green Bay Seattle matchup now Green Bay has won their last two games after taking that loss to um to Washington they reeled off two straight and now all of a sudden they're in the thick of things they're still within striking distance of Detroit, who are, lead, who are uh, leading that um, that northern division. But Green Bay has a tendency to get hot. Washington took a step back. They lost. So, you know, they're opening the door for other teams that are up and coming. You got Tampa Bay, who is right on their heels. They're, they're going back home, and they have to play a New Orleans team who really got outmanned against that Detroit team that we were just talking about. And New Orleans is still not out of it. They're looking to bounce back. And then, you know, Tampa Bay, that's what they're – they're a very streaky team. They win three straight. They'll lose three straight. They win two straight. They lose two straight. And right now they've won the last three that they've played. 
And so we'll we'll see if they've actually started to build up some some continuity and start to real put together a lot of wins. New Orleans is looking at a spoiler. It's a division game, and you always know how these division games are. Also, take very good notice to that top that top tier to the uh, NFC East: Dallas, New York, eight thirty. Uh, that'll be the Sunday night game. That's going to be in New York. Dallas, the only loss that they had this this season was the very first game. It was against those same New York Giants. In the New York, they took a step back last week. They lost to Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, they're going back home. They want to get a win here so they can at least try to keep pace with Dallas just in case they can catch up with them. It's going to be a huge game this weekend, especially with, but, but for me, that marquee game is, will be that Dallas-New York game. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the NFC really matches up now. Uh, Dallas pretty much owns it. They got the playoff spot. So Seattle really looking for that. Detroit is really the surprising team here. They're, they're four in a row. Um, you know, they, they look way better than Atlanta did. So, I mean, where do you see the Lions ending up here? The Lions are tough. I mean, you know, you got to give them credit. They make plays when they need to make them, and they're just winning. All they do is go out there and win. Matthew Stafford, he's all of a sudden now one of the best leaders that you can find in the NFL. He's in an extreme hot streak right now. He's starting to nudge his way into the conversation of even MVP along with Derek Carr. So, when you see him play, you know, you, you can't help to be inspired by this team. And not to mention, like, this week they have – they're going back home. They're playing a, a completely undermanned, outmanned Chicago team who really can't get out of their own way, even though they beat San Francisco, which is probably the most undermanned team in the NFL right now as far as from a talent perspective. But if you see Detroit, you can't help to be encouraged, especially if you're a Lions fan at this point, to see how they play to the season. I don't anticipate that they're going to have much trouble with Chicago, but again, when you have these division games, they become a little bit tricky. So, you know, you don't want to give them the win already, but Detroit is going to have a tough time with Chicago. I don't think they're going to have much of a tough time with Chicago, I should say. So in the East, your Redskins must win against Philly pretty much at this point, and then the Giants have to do have to be uh, must win against Cowboys if they want to stay in that mix. So it's pretty interesting in the in the East. The Redskins definitely took a step back. I mean, they went into Arizona, and that was a uh, frankly that was a game they should have won. Uh, they they should have beat the Arizona Cardinals, and they didn't. And Jay Gruden was not happy at the end of it. It's a big, you know, um, uh, you know, everyone's talking about the big blow up that he's had. He you know cursed his team out and trying to get these guys up and going. They get Trip Williams back, who's probably the best left tackle in the game right now. They get him back this week. Look for the Redskins to get refocused, and they may have to go on one of those runs that they've done in pretty much the last four times that they've made the playoffs where they've reeled off a, a string of wins to end the season. They're going to need that kind of effort if they want to end up in the playoffs, and 10-5-1 and, and, and one should get them in, but they'll have to reel off four straight, and it, it looks like they can do it. They have Philadelphia, then they have Carolina coming up next. They have the Bears right after that, and they end the season with a tough New York Giants team. So we'll see how they're going to end up at the end of the season. Really exciting week 14 coming up here. Um, I mean, not for my, not for me as a Ram fan, of course, but you know how that goes. It's just <laughs> um, but for you Redskins fans, very exciting. The NFC East, kind of a dogfight as well. Um, you got that fight in the South as well, as you were talking about, neck and neck, Tampa Bay, uh, the Saints still in the mix with Atlanta. Uh, on the, in the AFC side, 
the AF, the uh, AFC West very dogfight as well. So very interesting. Uh, I want to thank Anna Garza uh, for coming in from the LFL uh, Austin Acoustics. Very exciting and uh, for making the time to us. Uh, and I also Michael Burmy for being very informative. And then uh, for Rinkishi Free, Troy Wilson. Don't forget, don't miss any of our shows. We're always on replay, right, Troy? Replay, replay, replay. Uh, best show covering women's news and NFL notes and hot topics. So uh, you can follow Troy at Troy Wilson underscore one. And Kishi's Cuties for Inkishi Free. So for Oscar Lopez and for Troy Wilson and Inkishi Free, we'll catch you here next Tuesday right here on the Gridiron Blitz, right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Have a great night, everybody. Take it easy, guys. Walk alone in the unknown.